Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This is Archery Unfiltered, where I, Wendell Souza, cover California archery events and what it takes to make you a better archer. Happy New Year, fuckos! It is your friendly neighborhood archery unfiltered show, and uh, it is uh, Thursday. The was it fourth or fifth? It's got to be the fifth today. I think it's the fifth. It's late at night. It's almost midnight. I'm hanging out in my basement. And uh, uh, what if you guys heard that? That was weird. But anyway, yeah, we're hanging out in my basement. We're kicking it. We're going to call Austin Watson a little bit. We're going to talk about, you know, guess what? If you guessed archery shit, you are correct. So that's the game plan. Uh, I hope you guys are doing well. I hope indoor season is treating you well. I hope you guys got everything you wanted for Christmas. Uh, sorry I have been gone. I think it's been about a three-week three hiatus. I think our last show was with uh, Elliot Peters, which was awesome. You guys know Elliot is a a bad motherfucker. So, uh, yeah, I wanted to bring you guys another good one. Tonight we're going to talk to Austin Watts. He's my good buddy, uh, killer shooter, Northern California guy. And, uh, you know, we're just going to talk some current events in archery. That's mainly all it is. What's new, what's happening with the new year and, and pros and whatnot. And uh, that's pretty much it. New products coming out. I try to pick his brain a little bit on practice uh, practice topics, but uh, not too much on that. Austin's more of a tinkerer at the moment. So anyway, I hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, I'm currently getting ready for Fresno this weekend. It's going to be Saturday and Sunday. First shoot is going to be at Impact Archery on uh, Saturday. Second shoot's going to be at the spot on Sunday. Uh, you know, just some indoor, some indoor shit as always. I'm trying a new, a new uh, practice thing that I came up with. So we'll see if what you guys think. Well, we'll see if it works by how I shoot this weekend. Where I'm practicing a lot less this week. I'm only shooting one game a day, and my logic for it is that I shoot different. At competitions versus practice, and the differences in practice. I'm normally throwing down a crap ton of arrows, and uh, you know, one game a day, I'm putting a lot of weight on every arrow. So, you know, I got to figure out if I'm feeling funny. I got to figure it out quick. So that's my reasoning for that. We'll see if this is a good idea or a bad idea. I'll fill you guys in as time comes. Uh, you know, as the shit comes around. Um. I'm hoping this is going to be a podcast heavy weekend. I might have another episode for you guys real quick because I'm going to be carpooling down with my buddy Alan. You guys know all know Alan Burnetta. He's math or you know Matthew's pro. Uh, try to get try to get some funny guys on this show to make it somewhat uh, entertaining for you, so you don't have to just listen to me all the time. But you know, hey, 
Tell me, listening to me all the time, it's better than dead silence, right? Right? All right. Um, let's see. Uh, the show's brought to you guys by Carbon Craft Stabilizers. Uh, my man, Brian Webb, down at Impact Archery. He makes them. You guys can order them from him, or you can order them from my man, Rudy Sandoval, up at West Coast Archery. Uh, Carbon Craft Bars, they're the best. And uh, if you're going to catch me in Fresno, I'll have extras on me. You can you can shoot mine. Shit, if, you, if you're shooting a 20 and a... Well, I'm sorry, not a 20. That would be ridiculous. A 30 and a... 30 and a 12 or a 30 and a 15? I think 30 and 15 is what I got extra of right now. I'll let you shoot them. Shit, you can shoot them all weekend if you want. Just give them back to me before I leave. Um, and then the show's brought to you by DB Custom Coatings. My friends Darren and Bet out of Napa. They Saracote bows. They make them look badass. Take your boring ass bow and make it look neat. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to be crazy about it, give Darren a job. Make him spray paint the galaxy on your bow. Dude. He can do it. So, uh, yeah. That's it for the sponsors. Um, oh, man. I was going to tell you guys. like, uh, I got stickers in. So, if you guys want stickers, I'm going to do a two for five deal. Okay? For five bucks, I'll send you two stickers. I know it's not the best deal, but you guys help support the show um, that way. Uh, probably not going to be going to Vegas just because it's too goddamn expensive. So if you guys want to help me get to other tournaments, pick up some stickers. It'll help me out. If not, hey, no worries. It's all good. You know my my uh, my mo is to only spend money. You know, don't spend money needlessly. You know, there's a lot of that in the sport, and so I like to protect you guys from it. But if you got an extra five bucks you want to toss around. Instead of just lighting it on fire, you send it to me and I'll give you some stickers, okay? I got uh, a limited edition black vinyl sticker, which I will be posting up a picture of pretty soon. And then I have some badass white vinyl stickers, which look great on black stabilizers. So, uh, yeah, if you guys want, you just PayPal me. Hit me up on uh, Facebook or Instagram or whatever, and I'll send you guys some information. Uh, I would really appreciate it. Uh, aside from that, I might open this show up to ads. Uh, thanks to you guys and the support of the show and the growing number of listeners, the show now qualifies for some form of advertising. Um, it's been ad-free for a long time, but it's also been a tiny rinky-dink basement show. But it would be cool to uh, to monetize it. But I, it probably won't be archery ads. <laughs> If that makes sense. I can't imagine any show that would want or any archery company that would want to advertise on this show. It would just be too dicey. I think I've talked shit about every company in existence to this point. So uh, it would it wouldn't make sense. It, it would probably be like a manscaping ball shaving product or something like that. I don't shave my balls. I, I should probably say it, but not that anyone cares, but. If you guys hear me ever hear me cut a Manscaped ad, just know I'm doing it for money, okay? Anyway, <clears throat> I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I get to talk to my buddy Austin. You know, when me and Austin talk, <laughs> we can go for like an hour and a half, so that's what we're going to do. All right? Enjoy, everyone. Happy New Year. All right, I'm here with the first guest of the year, my good friend, Austin Watts. How's, how you doing, Austin? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Excellent, man. You are guest numero uno... And I guess this is the first podcast of 2023 uh, right now. So thanks for coming on. 
Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Of First course. guest of the year. Yeah, dude. I always wanted to get you on the show just because you're fun to talk to. You're a good buddy of mine. And, you know, you're definitely one of the best shooters around. So uh, I always love picking your brain. Yeah. Yeah. How, how are you feeling right now? How's uh, how's the indoor season treating you? You know, it's been a, a little bit um, different than last year. I've struggled a little more. Mm-hmm. Uh, shot better in some cases. It's just been a little more scattered this year, you know? Yeah, it seems like you've um, had like higher highs and lower lows this year. Yeah, I've, I've shot a lot of, you know, high X count games, mm-hmm. and I've shot a lot of not so high X count games. It's just been kind of a little bit weird this year. Yeah, there's but, a lot of stuff going on this year. You know, you, yeah. you're working in the shop, you're working in a new town, you know. Yeah. So, I don't know, you got a lot of stuff going on. New, Brand new bow, not a bow I've shot for three years. Yep, yep, yeah. brand new bow. Yeah. Yeah. Getting the ins and outs of it. So, yeah, now you're shooting the Stratos with the spiral cam. I am. You, you enjoying it? Uh, Yeah, you know what I am. I, I really am. I, uh, I, I like my Stratos 40 with the spiral cams a little more than I did with the HPT. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Just personally, it seems to hold a little better for me, and mm-hmm. maybe it's uh, maybe it's a comfort thing, just because I've shot spirals for so long. Like I just know how that bow, yeah, is supposed to react, feel, work. Like I, I know what I need to do to get it to feel a certain way. And the HPT, I was kind of a little bit out of my game on that cam. Uh-huh. I guess the spiral cam is oddly smooth compared to the HPT. Yeah, just it doesn't have kind of like that double hump we called it. Uh, yeah, yeah, as much. You know. I I like I I drew your bow back and I liked it. I thought, man, if I had the Stratos with a spiral cam, there's a slight chance I probably would have stuck with it. Yeah, you know, I think I, I don't know. The other day, I actually shot um, Tate's bow uh, when we were shooting leagues, and he has a 36 HPT, mm-hmm. and I actually really really liked that bow. Really. Yeah, it was kind of weird. I don't know. I, that's the first time I've got to shoot the the Stratos 36 uh, HBT that wasn't midget draw. Uh-huh. Um, and it actually held and shot pretty well. It was, it was, I'd say they're definitely, and I've said this before, they're two different bows. Uh-huh. The 40 and the 36 don't feel, and I don't feel like they shoot even close to the same to me. How you was, know, they uh, just feel. How was Tate running his uh, timing? Is he running his timing dead nuts, like even? Yeah, dead even. Yeah, you can't you can't run that anywhere out of dead even. Wow, wow, yeah. that's, that's kind of a new characteristic for him. Yeah, and he's got the number two cam on that instead of the number one, like we've all been running. Uh huh. So, Interesting. Yeah, it's a little little bit different. Um, you know, there are a few differences about his bow, but mainly I just really liked the way that bow felt compared to my 40. It just was different, you know, and uh-huh. I always kind of said I thought I would like the 36 better uh-huh. than the 40, having now owned the 40. Um, but at the time, I I loved my Invicta 40. I thought that was a better bow for me. Uh-huh. And now I'm, I'm sitting here wishing I'd ordered a 36 to try out for the year. <laughs> well, you could oh, try it. Well. There's, still, there's still time. Yeah, the season's barely kicking off. I mean, it's just indoor season is going to wrap up soon, and then we're going to have a a long couple months of outdoor. 
Oh, trust me, it's taking everything I got just not to pull the trigger on getting another bow and having to order the 36. <laughs> yeah. I'm a very impulsive person, so I've been having to talk to myself every day. Oh, no. I, I'm an impulsive guy as well, man. It's uh, part of the reason why I'm in extreme debt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, for outdoor, man, uh, for California archers, the. The Outlaw series has been announced. It's it's continuing. Mark Rubio and Randy Long are are carrying the torch on to the next year. And so That's awesome. Uh, yeah, it's awesome. I was surprised. Uh from all the things that I had heard, I thought maybe it was gonna, you know, they say go the way of the dodo. But yeah. they got it and it's a new um a new series of locations. It's the kind of like the classic um like Lodi, right? Like our favorite Lodi. Yep. And then, uh, let's see, what else? Let me, let me bring it up here. Uh, oh, that's not even the first event. The first event is Woodlake Antelope Archers. Really? Yeah. Have you ever shot Woodlake? No, I've never shot Woodlake ever. I haven't either. And it's it's like an hour. Let me see. What is it? Hour no, it's not even an hour. It's 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 next to Fresno, but it's southeast of Fresno. Oh wow! So it's down there. It's a ways away. I, I think it's a four-hour drive from where we are in Northern California. Hmm. So that's a long one. But anyway, that's uh, March fourth and fifth. Uh, Lodi Bowman uh, Cartoon Classic is March twenty-fifth and twenty-sixth. I love that event. Fresno Field Archers, April 29th and 30th, and Nevada County Sportsmen, June 3rd and 4th. So it's kind of cool. It's all California. And I know some people, like uh, our buddy uh, Travis Poole said that was pretty damn gay. But I like it. I like California-centric events. <laughs> no, I do too. And, you know, bringing it down south a little bit, we might get more participation from the Southern California guys. Mm-hmm. Potentially. Yeah, I mean, I feel like a lot of those Southern California guys are going to do it already. Do it. Yeah, yeah, but you know, I mean, we might get a few a few more new faces. Yeah, if you consider though that all the events were pretty much north, with one, you know, it used to be Oregon. It wasn't last year, right? Oregon wasn't last year. Uh, No, we didn't do Oregon last year. So. I mean, it, this will be the second year in a row we haven't done Oregon. Yeah, I know, I know. That's what uh, you know. That's what a couple people were a little miffed about. But it's like, hey, you know, there's going to be different. You know, there's going to be different. Uh, it's. I think it's kind of cool. It's kind of refreshing. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely like the Oregon shoot. I think that's probably. It you know, if I if I had to say out of all of if I had to say out of all of the outlaw shoots, that was probably my favorite one. I liked Oregon uh, just because it was <laughs> extremely challenging. Yeah, it is definitely technical, and it really kind of pushed you. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, you really, it really separated the really skilled archers. Yes, versus um, people that just had lucky days. Yeah, yeah, and it makes the other it makes those people that had you know that didn't shoot don't usually shoot as well. It makes them realize what they need to work on and and ultimately yes. get better. Yes. Um, so that's why I really really like that course. Um, but it's always on a tricky weekend. You know, people are. Already wanted to go out of town or have plans or, uh-huh. you know, it's just a, it's a tricky time of year. So I kind of understand that too. Yeah. It's always, um, 4th of July weekend is that one, right? Yes. Generally. Yeah. It's always 4th of July weekend. And like sometimes uh, that Sunday has been on the 4th of July. Yeah. 
know, so it kind of, it kind of makes it tricky for families that have kids and, you know, like, obviously you got kids that want to go watch fireworks and whatnot. Or I just realized, that's, so Oregon was always my wife's birthday that weekend. So I haven't been able to shoot Oregon in, like, two years, I think, three years. And so, uh, yeah. Now I'm just now realizing none of the outlaw days fall on my wife's birthday. I might actually get to shoot the outlaws this year. <laughs> It'll be pretty neat. Did you see the the rule? Did you happen to see the rule change, Austin? You there? Yeah. Can you hear me? You there? Yeah. Oh, there you are. I lost you for a second. Oh, sorry, man. I was like, uh, oh, I was just asking. Did you happen to see the rule change on the uh, the outlaw page? I did not. I did not look at it yet. So I just kind of saw it today. For anyone that's wondering, for the outlaws, if you have a, uh, if you have a, I guess a protest is what they call it. Um, like maybe you know you catch someone calling arrows in that aren't in or something, whatever. Uh, pulling the old Gillingham. Um, if you're gonna protest it, you gotta put it in writing, and then I think it goes up to a review for a couple days or a week or two. And then uh, they're not doing the cash payouts anymore. It looks like it's going to be done in checks. And checks are going to be mailed out after they're sure there's no protests or anything like that. So, you know, that's cool. I like how they're trying to, you know, they're trying to keep it uh, problem-free. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's cool. I'm all for it. I'm excited to see what, you know, what this season is going to be like. Yeah, I, I kind of like that. You know, if there's any problems, you know, that it's not trying to get cash back from other people, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So it kinda, It'll yeah, be all linear, it, one way. Yeah. Makes you know, it smooth. Have you seen if they're going to do the belt buckles again? Uh, I have not. I desperately want a belt buckle. <laughs> I do too. I was really close. I know. <laughs> you you. <laughs> you tasting it. <laughs> I tasted it, but uh, for about a for about a week, I tasted it. <laughs> you know what's funny is now Alan Brunetta has two of those belt buckles. I wonder how he if he's going to wear both of them. <laughs> no, he doesn't. I stole it from him. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I didn't dude, steal it from him. I could though. Dude, uh, you know me and Rudy took <laughs> third at a break the barriers uh it, that break the barriers event in Fresno, the R100. Yeah. As a team, we took third, and I was like, oh, man, I've always wanted this belt buckle, but I never wanted one that said third on it. <laughs> yeah. I think I'm just going to scratch out that third part and just say we were there. <laughs> I thought about making, I thought about making like, Alan a custom, because he has it on his quiver. I thought about making him a custom belt buckle uh-huh. that says, like, loser on it or something like that and swap him out. <laughs> see if he notices. <laughs> just see how long it takes him to notice. It could be years. <laughs> I'll just give it to Hans and have him put it in a plaque or something in the office until he realizes. For anyone that doesn't know, Hans, the owner of West Coast Archery, absolutely loves pranking his shooters, specifically Alan Brunetta. Oh, yeah. He le- he puts uh, peep sight tubing in his indoor arrows. Yeah, if you guys ever want to fuck with a friend of yours, one of the most crazy ways to do it is to put peep sight tubing into someone's uh, 27 diameter arrow and... If they yep. haven't, if they haven't numbered their arrows, they are gonna go fucking batshit crazy, trying to figure out why they're missing low. Oh yeah, Hans was <laughs> it the other day. 
Alan ordered a brand new dozen arrows, and while Alan was talking, Hans was shoving peep sight tubing in his arrows. <laughs> and then out, and then Alan went to go walk out the door, and his, while he's walking, the peep sight tubing's falling out of his arrows. And he turns around and looks at the ground, and there's all this peep sight tubing. He looks at Hans, and they stare at each other for a couple seconds, and Hans goes, "Your arrows have worms." <laughs> it was so funny. Oh man, Hans is diabolical. Has he done uh, oh, yeah. pranks to you or, or Rudy yet? Uh, no. One time I tied Rudy's water bottle to dilute material. <laughs> that's cool. That's, so that way, every that's... time he pulled the, the bottle, he'd pull, you know, long, long ways of dilute. <laughs> that's funny. That's pretty mild. That's pretty mild. Han, yeah, it's pretty mild. Hans has done stuff to Alan that is, like, shattering to me. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he did, he's brutal to Alan. He zip-tied, for the listeners, this guy zip-tied Alan's cam. What you, yeah, zip tied it to the limb or zip tied it to the string or something. He zip tied it to the limb, and at the time he thought it was be funny. Now he kind of thinks he did it a little too far. <laughs> he might not ever admit it, but he'll—I think he knows. Alan drew back without noticing and just ripped this, uh, ripped his zip tie off, and uh, I, it, almost derailed the spell. Yeah, fucked his fucked his day up for a little bit. That was on the day of his shoot, that AB Invitational. Oh, man. What a bummer. That was like right right before we were supposed to start shooting. He went to go rip his bow back and it was zip tied. Oh, Jesus. Poor Alan. Nah, poor Al. Yep. Well, me and me and Alan are driving down on uh, well, Saturday morning to start the, the kickoff to the Fresno shoots. I know. You lucky ducks get I to know. shoot one, one day without me. I'm so excited that you're working. On one of those days, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I did tell um, uh, Caleb Quiocho's dad about these events, so I'm kind of bummed out. You know, there might what be what the hell? Yeah, <laughs> I might. I know he's going to be there, or he might be there, but it is a long way, and Sunday is a school night, so uh, you know, maybe maybe we yeah. won't have to worry about him. No, I like Caleb. He's a good kid. He's yeah. shooting really good. I love Caleb that he calls out bullshit when he sees it. Or when he hears it, oh, yeah. when he's hearing someone say like, "Oh, you know, I shot like a twenty-eight X game the other night," and he'll be like, "Well, then, how come you're not shooting it now?" <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh yeah, <laughs> I remember Caden. Caden was shooting. We were warming up at the Bay Area Open, and Caden like wasn't shooting as good as he wants. And Caleb's like, "Well, did you practice?" <laughs> he's like, "Well, not that much." He's like, "They quit whining. Shoot your bow more." I know. I was like, "God damn!" <laughs> I know. I was like. Damn, Caleb! Take it easy on Caden. He's probably he's probably not practicing. Just chill. Yeah, it's like, dude, you guys are kids. Just enjoy life right now. Yeah, maybe he was practicing a lot and just is saying he's not. Now you're making it feel even worse. <laughs> That's the thing. I'm pretty sure Caden does practice. I think that yeah, kid that'd be like me. Good. That'd be like me practicing all the time and then telling you I don't practice and then. Mm. You being like, well, you just suck, so you should probably practice more. Dude, I am trying something this week. In preparation for Fresno, where you shoot a recurve? No, I, I'm. Oh, I'm. There's so many things I want to say about that, but it's canceling. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm trying shooting just one game in the morning. Like I still wake up at my normal time where I can normally shoot a couple games, um, but I'm just shooting a single game, and I'm doing a cold bore uh, scoring. Right. Mm-hmm. Um. But the idea is like, you know, when you show up to an event, things always feel a little bit different. And then it's like, yeah. how quick can you get back in your groove? 
And so I'm trying practicing with just one game because normally when you start out, you're kind of like, oh, you can feel kind of funny, you know, your first couple couple arrows. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm, I mean, it sounds kind of stupid. It's almost like anti, uh, you know, Blake Jerome practice. But I could see it being like if it is effective, like the week before a shoot, the week before a shoot, you would go super light and do like single single games to get your mindset yeah. ready for whatever you know. Well, how have your scores been? Low X count, but all three hundreds. Yeah, yeah. The my X count. The thing is, okay, if I shoot a lot, and I like to shoot uh, anywhere from two to four games in the morning, I'll, I will notice that usually by Wednesday or Thursday, my shoulder is starting to get, has kind of like a dull uh, dull soreness to it. And it used to be, when I was shooting all the time, that I just lived with that dull soreness 24-7. Yeah. Um, and now I'm thinking like, well... You know, let's see if I can go down there fresh and see what happens. I don't know if that's a good thing because I feel like that dull soreness kind of smooths out your pin float and kind of smooths out your execution a little bit. But uh, yeah, I, I, you know, this is just me speculating. I've only done this for a couple of years. I don't know, you know, entirely what I'm talking about. But yeah, I'm gonna give it a I try. I'm I'd be interested in trying that too. But I right now I'm. I'm struggling with so many different things right now. I, That's the thing. I have my bow I think, set up completely different than I have usually. I think volume shooting is important. I think shooting volume is important to find the setup you need, to find you know your shot process, and to get all dialed in. I think this thing, if this what I'm doing is, if it does hail mary work this weekend, I think it should only be employed the week of a shoot. But I'm yeah. not. I'm not a hundred percent sure it will work. Um, you know, I think also you got to be comfortable with your equipment, like not be wanting to change it that much during the week. Correct, correct. Basically, you got to be comfortable and basically be willing to accept you're going to roll with it no matter what. Yes, yes, that is true. You can't afford to, ch you know, if you're if you're not shooting, you're only shooting one game a week. You can't afford to be changing something every night and only shoot one game. Yeah, no, you're not going to learn anything from it. No, no, it's I just going to be foreign every. <laughs> Every time you just shoot it, yeah, yeah, and so uh, that's uh, my theory that I'm trying for. I, I do think, you know, it's funny. Like, uh, what was it? My buddy Taman asked Rio Wild, like, how did you find the setup? How did you find all like this setup that you have now, and that it, you know, that works for you? And Rio like literally told him, I just move shit around until it shoots good. <laughs> Yeah, that's a very scientific explanation. <laughs> and it's like, I do the same. <laughs> I find myself doing the same. Yeah, more or less. So, anyway. Just move stuff around. I I actually, uh, it was weird. I, I, I've i been playing with my bow so much, trying to figure out exactly how I want that thing set up. And uh -huh. I usually have like a one to two ratio. My stabilizer, one to three. Not exact, but uh -huh. usually... <laughs> <coughs> Excuse me. Choking on some <coughs> choking on some <coughs> water. Jeez. Holy cow, what was that? <coughs> don't, don't worry, Austin. I'll totally edit this part out of the show. Alright. Well, um 
anyways, I usually run way more uh, back weight than I do front weight. But this year, for whatever reason, I'm running. I just I just took, well, not this year, but just in the last week or so. Mm-hmm. I took basically my entire back half, my back weight, and cut it in half. So I have mm-hmm. 12 on the front and 16 on the back right now, which is not how I usually shoot my bows. Interesting, dude. Yeah, I mean, it, it helped. It sh- I mean, it seems to sometimes shoot good. I shot a 27X when I was shooting with Paige and Tate up at the bow rack for lean night, but then I struggle when I go back home for practice. So it's, uh-huh. I don't know how, how I'm liking it yet. You have so. a very interesting ability of, of shooting better, like under pressure. And I've only yeah. known a few people to do that. Uh, myself not being one of them but uh i I, that's amazing dude 27x when you're shooting with Paige and tate yeah but you know i it's a different kind of pressure like i i know they shoot really well and i definitely want to be on par with them but also they're you know they're friends of mine so it's more just like fun like we bs the whole time we're shooting so it's a different kind of pressure Uh uh-huh i do feel it but yeah, but uh, you don't want to throw down a, you know. I, yeah, I don't want to throw down a two ninety seven with fifteen X's. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think I think it does elevate my game more than I know. Uh huh. Because I I do tend to shoot better games. Like every time I shoot with them, I shoot like twenty eight, twenty nine, twenty seven X games. Like uh-huh. that's where my average is, and then I go home by myself and I shoot like a twenty one X. Yeah. I'm like what the hell? Like I just, but it doesn't. I don't feel it, you know. I think it's more of a subconscious thing. Yeah, like, I would like we're it's a mental thing. Shooting with people who are better than you truly does elevate your game, whether you realize it or not. Yeah, and I think also, you know, you're friends with them, so it's kind of like, you know, you you have it in your mind that you know you belong with this group of people. So you're, you're shooting a similar, you know, you're going to be similar. Your score is going to be similar. Yeah. You know I, mean? I, I think it's just I think it's cool. I mean that's why I always encourage people to shoot with people who are better than them. That's cool. Um, because that's really how you get better. You kind of subconsciously push yourself a little harder. Yeah. Whether you know it or not, I don't think you should be comparing yourself to anybody. Right. But you know, it just it elevates you uh-huh. a little bit. You start paying attention to stuff you wouldn't pay attention to. You know, you watch you watch one of them let down, and then you, all of a sudden you think, "Oh, I should let down instead of throw this shot way out in the middle of the red." Yeah, yeah. You start to it's, see that they're they're picking and choosing their shots as well. Yeah, yeah. You just kind of start to mimic kind of things they're doing subconsciously, I guess. That's pretty cool, man. That you go up and mix it up with those monsters from time to time. Yeah, it's fun. I haven't got to shoot with them much this year. It's just. I was in the area, and I texted her. I said, hey, are you guys still in town? She said, yep. I was like, well, let's go shoot then. Yeah. Well, that's cool, man. I would be yeah. nervous. I kind of... <laughs> Paige makes me nervous. I don't know why. Yeah. Yeah, she's pretty cool. <laughs> she's all right. I'm going to have to talk to you about that later. <laughs> <laughs> so, speaking of Paige, uh, Kyle Douglas is shooting Bowtech now. I know. Did you see that crazy? Coming? Did did you did you figure it was going to be him? I figured it was going to be him. You, that that silhouette can only be one person. Yeah, it, he's kind of he's kind of a boxy looking dude. Well, he has the same stance for everything. He can win Vegas, and he's got his two hands in his pocket, and he's smiling with his big old <laughs> bino harness. Like 
<laughs> There's only one person who stands that way. Yeah, that's true. You know, nobody else does that. <laughs> kind of goofy, kind of goofy looking guy. <laughs> yeah, he's. I really like Kyle. He's a nice. He's a nice guy. I only got to shoot with him once, but I like. You get to shoot with him guy. before. Yeah, yeah. When Tate and I drove out to Idaho Open, we were shoot. I was shooting with Kyle. We talked a little bit about hunting and target archery stuff and. He told me the reason why he runs thirty ounces on the fr- on the front of his bar is so that way when he reaches up to punch and misses the trigger, it doesn't move. <laughs> I'm dead serious. That's what he told me. He's like, "Yeah, when I miss the trigger, it doesn't move." <laughs> Dude, you gotta be like, fucking well, so damn strong to hold a bow like that. Oh yeah, he, he just says he's like, "I tried the whole back tension thing, but." Uh-huh. Well, it seems to work the best is just put it where you want to aim it and hit the trigger. Fucking well, A, man. Well, whatever works for you. If I tried doing that, I'd probably shoot the person's target next to me. I doubt it, Austin. You just got to attack twenty. You got to remember, you gotta remember Wendell, I was a bad puncher. I wasn't a good puncher. I was a bad puncher. Uh-huh. So when I try to punch, it's it's a bad punch. It's not like a, I can just put it in the middle and command it. I'm not a good puncher. You just not run enough weight, dude. I guess I should run sixty ounces, <laughs> at very least. I should just go to the gym and steal one of those like ten pound, bo- I know, <laughs> weights and just strap it on the front of my stabilizer. You shoot Angus Moss's bow, dude. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that guy's got like fifty ounces on his bow. I gotta say, I made fun of Angus Moss a lot because he does really goofy yeah. shit. He does like the ten, like uh, his knock, his knock uh, set is like ten knots, top and bottom. Right? He does, yeah, I, I do 15 each side. <laughs> well, he does that. No, I'm just kidding. He's got like a two-inch long D-loop, right, on top of it. But I watched yeah, that guy shoot a 300 in Vegas. On, on day one, he shot a 300 in Vegas in the championship. I, I remember that. And then I don't think he shot another 300 day two or three. I don't think he did either. But day one is, I'm going to say day one and day three is, argue, well, they're all hard days. But day so one. So you're saying I dropped my point on the easiest day? You dropped it on day two? Yeah. Oh well, they're all hard days. <laughs> I can tell you. Uh, you know, I've done a three hundred on day one, and I've dropped a point on day one, and then I've dropped a point on day two. After after being clean on the first day, you know what I mean? Yeah. I've done I've done both, and then I only in, shot in flights. I dropped my last arrow on a nine hundred. So, I've, you I've know what? Before I even knew you, uh huh. Before I even knew you, I was there when you dropped that point. Oh yeah. On my nine hundred, I, I was shooting. I was shooting uh, right behind you in the in the line behind you, and I remember I recognized Rudy, uh-huh. and there were a bunch of other people behind you that I recognized, but I didn't know who you were. Uh huh. And it was on the last day, and I watched you actually miss that point. <laughs> I don't know if I actually told you that, but I watched you miss that point. Dude, I've never let down so many people all at once, man. <laughs> <laughs> I think Stephanie. I remember, there was I this. Stephanie Kerber was crying, and I was like, "Dude, you don't even know me. Why are you crying?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember there was a big old cr- uh, like crowd around you when you were shooting. I remember that. Yeah, yeah it was good. That times. was mm, that was probably like my second year going to Vegas. Yeah, yeah. I think it was. My I, second, I just remember shooting third. flights and going, "Man, I, I know I recognize that Sandoval guy." <laughs> and there's a couple other people I recognize, but I don't know who they're all watching. And then I. I watched you shoot that one arrow, and and they all got upset. Yeah, that was a bummer. But you know, that's all right though. I say did, that, you did it again. That hurts as much as dropping the you know an arrow on the first or dropping a point on the first day. You know. 
In the first end. Yeah, first end even. It sucks. Yeah. So. I only got to shoot uh, two 300s in Vegas, and they all happened to be last year. Damn. Well, that's the year to do it. You did really good last year. Yeah. Too bad. You shot amazing, dude. <laughs> we we both got to shoot uh, the lucky dog. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good achievement on its own. Exactly. I've always wanted to go the lucky dog. I mean, I've always wanted to do the shoot off as well, but I'll settle for lucky dog also. Oh yeah, we made we made it that far at least. Yeah, you know it's crazy how many good ass shooters, like no name indoor shooters, there are. Like a lot of people don't know, but that line is stacked with really good shooters. Because technically, we would be the no name, you know, yeah, indoor we are. archers. We are. We definitely are. And look at where we were on that. So we were pretty much placed on that on that lucky dog lineup according to X count, and we were in like what fiftieth. We fifty third is where we were at. That's amazing. That means there were fifty other eight ninety nines above us. You know. Yeah. So it was pretty cool. I, I was pretty. Uh, I was pretty excited just to make it that far. You know, especially with the the indoor season that I had. I was just pretty excited. Yeah. Yeah. Well. You know, you're one of the heavy hitters, dude. Mm, yeah. At least in our yeah. in our area, you are. You know. I try every day. I'm trying. <laughs> yeah. So let's see. What we got? We got Kyle Douglas went to Botech. Who else changed up this year? Uh, Stephen, Stephen went to changed. Matthews. Yeah. Uh, that was – I kind of expected that, honestly. I know Stephen was on his, was wanting his way out of PSE. Really? Even last year. Yeah, he was on his way out last year. Just Is that why he, shoot, <laughs> he was shooting, like, all the old PSEs? Mm-hmm. I know he shot his I, expression, I like his PSE expression for a couple of events. Yeah, I just don't think he cared anymore. You know, I think he was on his way. I, I def, Actually, I know he was on his way out, you know. Uh-huh. He posted something like that last year where, like, oh, this date, like, wait to see what, where I'm going next, and, and then nothing ever happened. <laughs> and so, <laughs> yeah, so, you know, I think he's on his way. He was on his way out, and with Matthews kind of opening it up with uh, Braden and Tanya moving out and Householder moving out, I think it gave him a little bit of budget to pick up Stefan, who was already wanting out. And he's a great shooter, so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Stefan Anson. Good ambassador for him. One of the best, dude. Yeah, baby-faced assassin. That's such a <laughs> dumb fucking nickname. I know. I feel bad for him, but. At the same time, there's no other baby-faced assassin. There is. Well, not in archery. But that, no. that is a nickname from Josh Barnett from uh, MMA. From like the yeah. late 80s, early 90s. Yeah. But there's no but there's no baby-faced assassin in archery. Well, other than him. You don't think Kyle Douglas could be one? Mm, no. Does, do they have no, a nickname for Kyle Douglas? Uh, I guess the best. That's <laughs> what they're calling the Botex uh, promo yeah. page. Yeah, the best. Yes. <laughs> oh man. And what else is there? Uh, uh, Chris Schaff left. Oh, that's right. Chris Schaff to PSE, right? Yeah. yeah that the- one was kind of unexpected. Yeah. See that one coming. Yep. I agree. But you know what uh, you gonna do? Yeah, what you can do. 
Um, Chance Bobeff to Darton is the last that one. That one was a shocker. That was a shocker. Yeah, I thought he was uh, an elite dude, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I thought, I mean, well, now elite doesn't have anybody other than uh, Christian Berry, which is a great guy. And Marlo, they got, uh, uh, so he, they got, uh, I guess they have Marlo. Jacob Marlo, yeah. Yeah. They got Marlo and Christian Berry. Both good people. Uh huh. Hopefully they'll jump on a bandwagon sooner or later off the PSE train, but, or that, <laughs> not the PSE, the elite train. But, you know, I, you can only save so many people. I like elites, man. I know. Now, now you're trying to get on the train. I've been trying to drag you back off, but, I mean, you're shooting so good. I, I kind of want to jump on too, but. <laughs> oh, you should, dude. Yeah. Uh, I, whatever problems you have with that Hoyt, you won't have with an elite. Here's here's the thing: it, if you look good, you shoot good. And if you shoot good, yeah. I stopped feeling good. I stopped caring and, about looking and, good after I had a baby. And, 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 yeah. And, well, here's the thing: is that you can't look good shooting elite. <laughs> yeah, I was end up looking kind of goofy one way or another. It's hard. It's <laughs> it's hard. It's very hard. You can only dress it up so much. Dude, you want to hear some crazy shit? Hmm. Uh, there's a dude. I now this is all kind of speculation right now, but from what I can tell, Elite stole this gear drive design from a guy from like an inventor in Middle America. Hmm. Like some guy invented this gear drive system, and I don't know if he went shopping around and like showing other companies like, "Hey, look what I invented!" You know, do you, you want to buy this from me? And they said no, and then they just stole it or what? But he's got his the drawings for this thing posted up, and he is currently involved in a lawsuit. And he won't say with who, but with a major bow company. And I'm <laughs> like, oh my god! I was like, that is the exact same drawing <laughs> as what's on my bow right now. So that's wow. gonna be fucking wild if that's true. I mean, I I love the bow, but I, you know, you know me, I'll I'll burn it all to the yeah. ground if I can find the truth. You know, yeah, yeah, my area. So uh, it'll be interesting to see um, what comes of that. I I haven't heard anything about that, so that's the first I've heard of it. Yeah, dude. Well, but, I mean, come on, man. This is our team <coughs> filtered. I, I break all this shit first. It must. It must be. Uh, it must be pretty. Uh, they're trying to keep it on the down low. If if uh, you know this kind of first. You know, I mean, I'm from trying all to... the people I I talk to all the time, this is the first I'm hearing of it. Well, I'm trying to get the guy on my show, right? Um, but he's being pretty smart about it. And he's saying like, you know, I don't want to, you know, he's like, I can't talk about it. If there's a lawsuit going on right now, I can't talk about it. Yeah. It doesn't want to, yeah. I can't get, get in the way. Cause he could, he could screw himself if he's trying to win or. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But, uh, it makes sense. I would imagine if he's suing them, he's got a, I would just imagine like, if you're going to spend the money to take someone to court, you better have an airtight case. So yeah, it'll be interesting to yeah. see how that how that pans out. Yeah, no, that'd be interesting. I, I should probably look a little more into that. I haven't, I haven't actually heard anything about that yet. You got connections? Do you have? Con- I know you have industry connections. Uh, I mean, <clears throat> you hear a little bit, you know, here and there, but nothing always usually too exciting. Just you know, like kind of, kind of what things, how things are going on. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, in the, in the bow manufacturing world or, yeah, you know, just, just small talk usually. Nothing, nothing, anything big. Well, that's cool. That's cool. I try to, I yeah. try to pick up on that stuff and I try to tell the people about it because it's like, not, yeah. 
I don't know if it's like it's uncool to do that. I guess it's uncool to bash companies, but um, I'm just very curious as to like the you know the inner workings of things, and I know other people are too. And it's crazy because yeah. this elite bow fucking rocks. <laughs> the verdict fucking oh, yeah. rocks. This bow is fucking dope. And uh, yeah. And if it turns out they stole this cam design, I'm gonna be so bummed out. <laughs> <laughs> that'll be that'll be interesting. I'm I'm curious to see. Uh, I'm curious to see how that turns out. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, mainly I hear a lot of like just shop talk. You know, like money and you know, like just stuff that nobody else shooters wise care about. Yeah, yeah. No, I can understand that. Yeah. You know. So. I know. I mean, you knew, you were keen enough to pick up on the Matthews budget, pro staff budget. I didn't even think it about just, that. It just kind of makes sense when a lot of people leave, it opens up. Like, now they're not paying such and such, you know? Like, they can, you know, they let go of three to pay one or, you know, yeah. something. They might not even pay them as much as they were paying Tanya and Braden. And, right. Uh, you know, but maybe it's just the fact, you know, Stefan's getting paid a little more than he was at PSE. Maybe he's just you know, wanted out to try something different, you know, you never know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it could be. You never know. I just looked at it when, I looked at it when he posted, I was like, pretty much everybody else has picked up probably the most they're going to be able to pick up for the year. Right. Well, what about, you know, like, Elite's Pro Staff's wide open. Yeah, but nobody wants to get on. <laughs> Lee couldn't give a contract away. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Like you, want you could be them. like, well, they'll like, be well, like, we'll pay no. you, and you don't even. I'd be like, we'll pay you, and you don't even have to shoot. And they're like, mm, you know what? I'd rather just get a recurve. <laughs> I'll just go buy it. I'll pay full price for a recurve bow. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Oh man, that's brutal. I tell you what, there's some bows like at least in our area. Man, I couldn't give them away for free. Elites? You know, <laughs> n- not elites, not at least specifically, just oh. other bows that I have on the wall. Uh huh. They just, like, so there's a few, uh, you know, like, there's so many bows, you know. PSE makes, like, 15 bows a year. Yes. You know, and there's some bows that we buy because we think it to be the hot ticket, and they just never move. You're just like, yeah. are you serious? Yeah. Um, you know, like, we have a bunch of those PSE levitates, and where, you know, they're really nice, and they're, uh, you know, as far as light, and they're, you know, the quality of them is all right. Mm-hmm. Like, I... I could put it on eBay and somebody would be like, hey, if uh, you give me, you know, all the money you're wanting for it, I'll just take it. (laughs) The Levitate looks pretty sick. Yeah, it was it was not a bad boat. It was fast, but it was it was aggressive is the problem. And people didn't like it. Yeah, it felt like a like a hunting bow with spiral cam pro like like times two. Yeah. You know, yeah. they, they just didn't like it. I, I mean, and I'm sure there's other people that really like that bow, and it's not a, it's not a terrible bow by any means, but it's a very, uh, very specific bow for somebody. You know, right. like somebody has to be wanting that bow. Um, you shoot the Carbon RX-7 where it draws really smooth and is quiet. And it might be a little heavier, uh-huh. but performs, you know, a little bit better in somebody's hand. It's going to be hard for them to want to pick that levitate over that if, unless they just solely care about speed and weight. Yeah. Well, 
you know, if nothing else matters, not, you know, as far as how to tune it, because you still got all the stupid 5 million shims in the cam. True. Uh, you know, and, and like, just, just how smooth that, you know, that buzz, you're not going to be able to sell those levitates. <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't put one up for free. Somebody walk in and be like, no, I'd rather just pay the $1,900 for a carbon oil. Dude, you know what's shocking is how much better the Elite Omnia is than both of those bows. Oh yeah, uh, I we just got we just got one of those carbons in eras, and I haven't got to shoot it yet. But I'm kind of I'm kind of interested to see how it shoots. Oh yeah, the carbon one's sick too. But uh, yeah, I mean I've heard I've heard good things about it, so I'm curious. I mean, if they did steal this cam technology, they stole it from the right guy because this is fucking this is a sick bow. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean I, I've heard I've heard you say good things about it. I I mean I shot the elite. I did a little. Uh, review on it on our instagram and yeah like it was a it was a great sh- you know i got to take a couple shots with it and i was like all right this bow feels good you know yeah but she said it like you know you, you didn't say it like how you mean it like how you mean it well i didn't say it like it was my favorite bow in the whole wide world <laughs> but i did say it as and it was like it was good yeah i know what you really meant by it though it, it was good it 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 uh like I told you, it's never really been about the bow. It's just been about like, uh, you know, just how the how the business is run. That's really about it. You know? Yeah, I think that's yeah. I know. that's such when you work in the industry rather than when you just do a hobby, right? Yeah. Like I I have to work on bows. Like I make money because I work on bows and I sell them, and I have right. to deal with everything else nobody has to deal with because they just shoot them. Uh huh. And so you know, you start to kind of develop certain feelings about companies based on yeah you know not having to repair a bunch of shit yeah yeah no i get that or or just even people like when you call like not saying this is elite because this isn't this isn't an issue i've had with elite but Mm -hmm. you know when you call and customer service puts you on hold for four hours you know to get a part and you're just like I'm just trying to get this guy's bow back together, like a bow that you guys produced, and I can't get all of you. Right, right. Yeah, you know. yeah. I've heard from other shop shop owners in the past, you know, or like from uh, from fat shafts. They used to tell me that the elite customer or the not customer service, but the reps, kind of a kind of a dipshit. That was back in the day. that was back in the day. It's not the same guy now. Yeah, you get some, and that's honestly sometimes the the way it goes with how you start to develop certain feelings about companies is sometimes the rep. Like sometimes you get really good reps, and sometimes you get not so good reps. The reps that actually answer the phone calls and put in an order, or you get the reps that you have to remind you know every other week to put in a order, and by the fifth time you send an email, they finally do it. Like that's what you start to be like. Okay, I just don't like the company anymore. Yeah. Yeah, no, that makes and sense. and no matter how good the bow is, you're just like, I I want I I like the bow, but I don't want to work with them. Yeah, because the pain. No matter how good the bow is, it could be the best bow on the planet, but it's not worth my time to like deal with them and even try to sell them. Because if I sell them, I know it's gonna be a pain in my butt to try to help you out in any other way. Uh huh. Uh-huh. You know, and you could have not saying White has you know, the best customer service or Matthews or anybody, but like, I'd say, you know, Matthews is a great example. You know, I call, I place an order. You have the guy, he'll walk out, pull the part, put it in a box and ship it to you. Like there's not, 
you know, and then other companies I call and order a part six different times. And every time I order it, they send me something that's not even the right part. <laughs> I've had, I've had bow companies send me, you know, I order a set of strings and cables and they send me the string in one cable and forget the other cable. I'm like, <laughs> it takes two cables to put a bow together. <laughs> like, oh shit. <laughs> yeah. And then I'm like, can I have the roller guard? And they just send me the bearings. I'm like, I need the whole thing, not just the bearings. I asked for the whole thing. <laughs> well, you know, yeah, that's just, that's your cross the bear man working in the industry. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> the life of, uh, Life of a bow technician, I guess. Dude, speaking of being on hold for four hours, have you seen XL's new products? Have you seen? I, dude, I they have no business releasing anything. As much as I'm gonna love it and probably own one, they have no business releasing anything. <laughs> Why? Because they can't even get something out. Like they just they just started making those inline releases they released two years ago. Really? Like they just started producing them. Yeah, they weren't even making them, and oh, they but... released them like in the 2020 ATA. All right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna old guy you here for a minute. Well, here's some stuff you don't know about okay. American manufacturing. Uh, we are currently the victim of a supply chain shortage. Oh yeah, I know. <laughs> That's all I got, dude. I I don't know. So, so here's so here's what I wish. So I call uh -huh. them right, uh -huh. and I say I don't, I. I it's like, man, it's got to be really hard for you guys, like, getting materials and everything. And the answer is no. Actually, it's not. <laughs> Whoops. And I'm like, what do you, I'm like, what do you mean? And they're like, we actually have everything. It's just the demand is so high that we can't produce it fast <laughs> enough. We have everything. Everything is here. We, we don't need anything. We have more than enough. And I'm like. We have so many orders. It's stressing us out to make the shit. Yeah, so I'm like. It's going to chill for a minute. Okay, so, well, okay, well, never mind. Um, carry on. And uh, hopefully I'll see your sites in three years. <laughs> yeah. You know, like our goat order, or not, I mean, even goats, right? I could place a goat on order, and it takes six months to get it right now. Yeah. Well, I know landslides. Landslides are eleven months out. If you ordered one today, like That's you are waiting eleven crazy. months for a landslide, and they're going to release a new site. Like they can't even make a two years ago site in a, in under eleven months, and they're going to release a new one. They're going to release two new ones, actually. Well, I think they're actually releasing three now. <laughs> really? You know, I don't, I, I'm just, I'm so mind blown. I'm just like, you know, hopefully, hopefully it's not actually a new site. And hopefully it's just like a bridge lock amount. So you don't need an adapter to like shim it. Could be. You know, hopefully they just re like redesign the bar and they kept the site completely the same because they can make that and they've uh -huh. made it for so long. Yeah. Or a new, um, new bar, new carbon bar or something like that. Yeah, something like that. But if they come out with like a new, an all new site with all new gadgets, it's probably going to be like yeah, seventeen months until you see it. Wow. Well, for anyone that's looking for landslides, there's a bunch of them at West Coast. We do have a bunch of them. That is true. We yeah. have a ton of landslides. Yeah, that's good. And we just got we're just getting more. A bunch just shipped. So. Oh, that's good. They ain't so bad. Yeah. No, and they're, <laughs> and in my opinion, that's one of my favorite sites ever. So <laughs> I got one. Yeah, yeah, I got, I've got one too. I, I got lucky. I ordered mine early, early, Same. early. So it only took me two months to get mine, not nine. Dude, I got eleven. So I got my verdict from West Coast, and I, I know a couple other people ordered verdicts, and they ended up waiting like three or four months. Yeah, it's crazy, crazy. Lead times nuts right now for everybody. There, there's other things like sometimes the companies are having a harder time, you know, with 
the finishes on the risers. Some of them are just having hard parts, you know, hard times getting something that's probably easy as axles. I believe it. Yeah. It don't make sense to me. Like, um, you know, I, I built speakers for a living and sometimes we'll get a bunch of parts in that are powder coated or anodized and they'll, yeah. they'll either be shades off or there'll be blemishes here or there. And it's like, we can't sell a, a blemished product at all. Like we don't have a factory seconds type thing program yeah. or anything like that. So we just have to send it back and then our orders get pushed back for however long it takes us to get that shit powder coated. So, wow. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, the biggest problem with, like, uh, you know, Treebox Cell, like I said, they have all the products, but, like, on all the materials, but they're, I think, for one, shorthanded as far as guys go, maybe. Uh-huh. Um, but the other thing is, is they've been buying these machines, these CNC, you know, cutting machines to be able to make even more stuff. Uh-huh. But, the, like, the easy part is getting it there. The hardest part is getting somebody there to set it up. Oh, the CNC machine? Yeah, like sometimes yeah. there's only one guy in the whole eastern side of the country that can do it, and he's eight months out to just be able to go there and program the damn thing. Yeah, I actually know that. You so know. we have machine shops in-house at, at the speaker shop, and, uh, you know, anytime a machine goes down, like, uh, well, it rarely does, but if we have a machine goes da- go down, it's like <clears> six months waiting for a guy to come around. <laughs> Yeah, and, I, think, and I know that's I know that's kind of one of their struggles too. Because I I asked them, I said, "Is your uh, I I asked them if their uh, you know machine was up and running?" And she's like, "No, we're, we're actually still waiting for the guy to show up." So, damn. Um, <laughs> they have they have machines, but they can't get them running yet. That's a damn shame. At least maybe they do now, but they didn't when I talked to them at one point. Right. Though. Right. <laughs> you ever notice Carter Enterprises has always kind of been <laughs> they always kind of rolling the. Uh, pretty steady huh well they don't change anything so they exactly they don't change you know, they're, anything. St- they're still running the same technology they've run 30 years ago that's true i do know that they gave like or they dedicated one of those machines to john dudley too to do all mistake. his uh, knock on nonsense <laughs> big mistake <laughs> big but mistake. i mean <laughs> but whatever <laughs> yeah fair enough <laughs> That's true. I, I can't. Least. I can't say more not so good things about that backstrap release. Like that is a terrible, 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 terrible release. Yeah. Well, you know, it's actually. I can't. What, it, was, it was actually something else first, and they just rebranded it. Well, yeah, it was the. Um, well, I think it was called the backstrap before, or something like that. Uh-huh. But it wasn't a deadly release. There was another release very similar to that at one point, like you said, but. The, the base of it is so wide uh-huh. and I don't know if it's the way it comes out of the gate, but I could take any bow or most bows and shoot that release and it tears some gnarly right tear uh-huh. or left tear, whatever tear it is. It's like an inch and a half tear. Mm-hmm. Grab a, a true fire. I mean, the cheapest, dumbest release you've ever seen and shoot a bolt hole without changing anything. Mm-hmm. Like every other release tears a perfect, you know, Right. Shoots perfect, and you grab that stupid knock-on release, and it tears like an inch and a half tear. And I'm, I remember that I didn't realize it for a while, and I, I spent two hours on a bow trying to get that tear out. And I said all kinds of goofy trying to get it out, and I'm like, I don't know what's wrong with your bow. And then I, I took that release off to do something, and I couldn't find out where I put it. So I grabbed another release, and I just walked over the paper tuner and shot it, and I shot a bullet hole, and I'm like, 
What? I, I'm like, it was not doing that five seconds ago. Right. And then I found, I found the release. I put it on. Took that same bow I just shot a bolt hole with. Went and shot it through paper, and it shot that gnarly tear. <laughs> yeah, dude, I I see it all the time. Like I, you know, different releases tear wacky for me as well. Like, yeah, it's I, it's. I have no doubt the Evolution series tears wacky because you have to put so much back, you know, tension into it. Yeah, I mean, I there's no, I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that that release does that because I've done it with several different releases, several different times. Uh huh. And every time it does that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you so, have you done it with I mean, Stan? Yeah, Stan has one of those uh, tension releases also. Uh. No, but I think I think it's I think it's the difference. Like I said, I think it's the way it comes out of the gate on this, but yeah. or how wide that base is. Like that backdrop is like two. I swear, I'm over exaggerating, but it's like two inches wide. Right. Well, that, that's you know? Uh, you know, that's one of the reasons why I like the uh, the blade, the Jubal blade, because it comes out of the gate just fucking straight. I get really good yeah. tuning results with the blade over just about anything. Yeah, I, I like that goat, but it's the same handle, you know. Yeah, yeah, the goat's legit too. I like yeah, the, I mean, that's, the that's goat has favorite. a very like um, what's the word? Not low profile, but like the hook on the goat is such a small like part of it. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah, it's very tapered. It's... Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So I I can dig the goat also. That's I want. It's one thing I'll hand true ball. Like they they do. Uh, they they are trying to think of shit as at least as far as their releases go. Yeah, I think that I think they're probably one of the most innovative release companies out there. Period. They, it's just right now they're so popular that you can't get a damn release when they come yeah, out with one. That's true. I know that um they're starting to integrate that head on from the uh, that new Broadwater. You know the Broadwater, the, mm-hmm. new, the new Abyss. It's got like three hooks that just kind of rotate around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the first release that actually that was implemented on was that uh, execution, the um, the tension wrist strap release. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. And now it's on the inline, yeah. right? Uh, it's on the inline. Yeah, that was the uh, that was. Oh, it was. It first went the actually it's called the extension. Uh-huh. So the extension, the then it went the abyss. Uh, extension whatever that release is called the the jesse broadwater one with the thumb button and the uh-huh. tension release then it's the inline and now it'll be whatever the thumb button is then the, the new one the new release is coming out yeah yeah that, that'll, it'll be whatever is on that whatever that one's called that's you think it's gonna have that wacky hook deal yeah yeah i i can i can tell in just a little blacked out picture that's going to oh really yeah oh I was looking at it. I was like, "Man, what's it going to be?" It looks like a blade. It looks like a true ball blade flex. It's probably going to be like a goat handle with a with a tri, you know, the little tri post little head thing on there. Nice. You will have one, I'm sure. No, probably not. Maybe. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> Dude, do you, do you have two goats now, or do you just have one? I have two. That's right. That's right. I, I have too many. <laughs> Let's see what else I got on the list. Have you seen Bowfinger's site? Bowfinger released a new site. I did. I saw that. It, it looks chintzy. I don't know why. Looks chintzy. It looks mm-hmm. exactly like an Axel. 
I wouldn't say that. Uh, it looks more like an old Sherlock, like a very, like uh, an older, definitely an older, older generation Sherlock. Well, I don't know about all that. I think it looks the same. I think it looks, they well. I don't think it looks anything like a, I'd say it looks more like a Shibuya than anything. Yeah. It, well, the Shibuya, the XL, they all look the same. The old Sherlock. I mean, I, like mean I, I guess if you say, I guess if you say all it needs is a carbon bar and a vertical post <laughs> and a sight on it, I guess that, I guess if, if you that classify qualified. that as all the same, the, then, the old then, Sherlocks yeah. look so blocky. They look blocky and silly. They look oh, like they no, were designed got, by like, kids. I've got four of them. <laughs> Dude, That's the, what I used to have. I mean, Sherlock pretty much owned the market back in the day. The, the, the bow finger sight's going to weigh like 10 plus ounces. Which is uh, yeah, it's a it's a big, very intricate site. It's gonna weigh as much as the black gold site. So yeah, I know some people I, don't I just, care. Some people don't care. About I just it, but. don't like how many like it looks like. There's just a lot of stuff going on. Like uh, like you could accidentally like take a quarter turn out of a bolt and have the whole thing blow apart. <laughs> You know, I I don't know. It it just looks it just looks chintzy to me. Like I I would I I don't like the look of it at all. I don't like okay. I don't like much of it. I'll meet you halfway here. Like that's the re- main reason why I like the XL site is because it it looks very like in in, in close. Like everything is like kind of inside the all the mechanisms kind of like inside. You know. Yeah, I haven't. I haven't got to put my hands on one yet. So maybe in Vegas I'll look at it. Maybe I'll have a different opinion. But no. as of right now, you're not a fan. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't even attempt to put it on my bow. No. Uh, what was it? What did I have? I I used to have a Shibuya. I had two Shibuyas that I shot for a long time, and I remember I thought those were absolutely perfect. But they actually use like a bunch of little plastic shims on the inner walls and uh, hmm. after some time they started to wear out and they just fucking fell out of the site one day and i was like what the oh, that's hell? always good yeah but i they planned for that to happen because there's these little tension screws that you can now tighten up to take up the slack of those little plastic plates is the weirdest thing so i just ran it without plastic these little plastic shims for the last couple months before i switched to an xl site hmm yeah, it's not it's not smooth though. After you lose those shims, it's no bueno. You know what? You know what? Uh, the other thing on the bowfinger side that bugs me. What's that? And and again, I didn't pay too much attention to because I really didn't care. Uh, <laughs> but the knob is not on the bottom. There's no bottom knob for you to turn the sight with. That oh, bothers yeah. me. All right. Yeah, I see that. I hate that. I don't know why, but I hate it. Do you ever use the bottom knob? Oh, that's all I use. Really? Yep, all the time. Oh, that's all I use. I've never used the bottom knob. That's all I use. All right, all right, that's fair. That's fair. I'll allow it. Mm-hmm. Let's see what else do I got on my list of uh, stuff to chat about. Oh, oh, okay. What do you think about spine aligning arrows? Now, I just recently watched a video. Uh, on social media of these guys. This guy, it was on the Elite Forum, or the Elite Group, so I had to watch it. And uh, this dude was doing this thing that I know is an old Dan McCarthy trick, which is where you stick an arrow, you drill two holes, like very small holes in your easy green, your last chance press, 
you put your arrow in there and then you start to close your press until the arrow flexes. Mm-hmm. What do you think? But you put points on both ends of the shaft. Yeah, points on both ends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you think? Is it um, worth it? No, but I mean, I mean, I guess it could be for some people that want an easier route than actually like bare shaft tuning or not getting nexting or anything like that. It'll tell you basically all it's doing is telling you the stiff side of the arrow. Uh huh. Um, you know, because the stiff side will always point up. Um, and that's basically only going to be on, you know, you're not going to have to worry about that with Easton's very much at all, pretty much. It's basically the, how the arrow is put together. So, like, Gold Tip, uh, Black Eagle, uh, Victory, you got a, a lot of other brands, and they do the wrap and grind uh-huh. method on the arrows. For uh, production. <clears throat> Yeah, for production. So you there's know, a, when your the CM- Easton Super Drives are wrap and grind, also. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the um, but like other other arrows, like uh, like the um, the twenty seven Axis five 20. mils. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. The X twenty seven AccuCarbon. Uh, Anything AccuCarbon is uh, mm-hmm. is printed on there, right? Yeah. So it it all depends on kind of what you're going for. So, um. Yeah, well, let's explain. Uh, let's explain what wrap and grind is for everyone. Do you do you know what it is? Do you have a a, a solid idea of the concept? Well, they, yeah, they, they kind of wrap wrap the carbon around and then they kind of grind it down from the outside to the right spec, right? Yeah, they they wrap carbon around a mandrel, right, and then mm-hmm. they grind it down to a uh, certain thickness, is what I'm guessing. Yeah, and then which I've heard is a very like. Uh, I've heard that that is kind of like a my like a waste of material, but that's just the way they they kind of do it. Like they waste a lot of material doing the wrap and grind, but uh-huh. it's an easier method than how Easton does theirs. Right, I think Easton's method, at least the AccuCarbon, is uh, where they have a machine that lays up. It lays the carbon down to a thickness. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. So. So it, you do, you just don't have that issue. There's not the seam there. There's not really a stiff side. Right, 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 right. On the Easton AccuCarbon um, versus like the any of the gold tips or or anything. Um, I feel like the the big the twenty seven twelve diameter arrows. Even no matter how you go, like that that wrap and grind is pretty much the only way you're able to get an arrow that big. Uh huh. Um, you know, stiff enough and. I know. I think a lot of guys continue to shoot the aluminum arrow for a long time to eliminate that as a factor. Do you think, would you agree? Disagree? Um, I feel like uh, that is definitely a, a a possibility, and I think that's that's definitely believable because you know that that wrap and grind. There's no method for the aluminum in the same sense. Uh huh. So the aluminum all the way around is going to have the same. Yeah. You know, tolerance, which is obviously ideal. That's what you want is 360 degree, um, you know, equal tolerances around the arrow. So there's not one weak side, one stiff side, one, not one side of the arrow is going to react different than the other. Uh Um, But also, there's not a straighter arrow out of the box than aluminum. Really? No, I think the X27 is probably the straightest arrow that you could put together as an indoor, but it does bend. So yeah, it does bend. It's it's, it's the straightest out of the gate. Do you think a straight arrow is necessary for twenty yards? 
Mm, no, but if you're talking about percentages of, of uh, you know, like like, marginal gains and stuff like that, marginal gains, yeah, it's like okay, yeah. do you, would you? So if you ask anybody, right? Uh-huh. You, okay, you can buy, you can buy this do, this half dozen arrows for sixty dollars, or you could buy this half dozen for sixty dollars. Mm-hmm. Would you rather have the plus or minus one thousand straightness or the plus or minus three? All right. For me, it's a no-brainer. Yeah, if money's no object. I should tell you that I'm shooting the plus or minus. The, I'm shooting the cheap ones right now with the gold tips. Well, yeah. I'm shooting the, triple X. Not the pros. I'm shooting triple X pluses. <laughs> <laughs> I have a bunch well, of, you can, I have but, a bunch but of pros. Here's the thing. You're drawing short enough. You can cut off like yeah. six inches from each side. I can cut them to so pros. So you're good. I can cut them to pros. Yeah. I have a bunch yeah. of pros, but they're all different generations. I have like five of last year's and five of the year before that's and i just wanted yeah, a bunch I mean, of that, ones. the thing is like with the easton the aluminums actually aren't that expensive like yeah, i think the relatively. ps27s are way more expensive than the x27s uh yes yeah i think so so not to mention like i mean there's always sales like you can find sales on 27 12s going down where they're like a couple bucks a piece mm-hmm but yeah, dude, I mean, there's still a lot of people that shoot the aluminums. You know why that is? Why? Because, dude, aluminum's at the door now, man. Everyone's shooting carbon. Oh, I, th- I thought you were saying about the prices. I, I, I mean, I guess because the demand isn't there for them, so they, they're not making as many. They don't need to sell as many. Uh-huh. But, um, like, I would, I would argue for the indoor stuff, there's still a lot of people shooting aluminums. Yeah. But that's about it. Like 20 yards because you can control. Like you're not going to be missing them and hitting rocks and stuff. Or, true. You know. True. Hitting the target sideways. You don't got to worry about bending them. It's just 20 yards. Yeah. You'll bend them over time because you shoot you shoot those Reinhardts and you hit the crease. It'll kick your arrow or even the morale targets will bend them eventually. Yeah. But, you know, by that time they're cheap enough. You throw them away. You get two or three years out of them. You throw them away. Get yeah. Ones. Yeah. You know, so I've heard That's it said that what I do. arrow straightness, I think it was George Rouse that said this, that arrow straightness is not important. He said that what's important is uh, components. And ma- mainly your knock. Knock side is what's important. Is your pin knock being yeah. perfectly concentric? And I notice like a lot of guys shoot um, like the super knock bushing on the back of their uh, indoor arrows. Are you doing that or are you running a pin? I run super knock. You you run a super knock, yeah. Is it for this reason? Uh, it's beefier. It just it, it handles a lot more. You know those pin knocks, a small piece of plastic. Yeah. You know you're pushing something heavy. It's different on those carbons. A lot of people are running lightweight on those carbons. Uh huh. Um, so those knocks aren't going to have as much energy getting pushed into them. Uh-huh. You know, like they don't have to absorb as much weight, so they won't spread. You know they'll. Sp- they won't spread as much, but you put a big old aluminum arrow on a pin bushing, uh, it'll blow that sucker. So wait, are, you, are you running pins on your super drives? Uh, no, I'm running. I'm still running. Uh, super knocks on both. But am I? Yeah, actually, I am running pins. I'm running biter biter hunter pins on my uh, super drives. There you go. So let me ask you, yep. how do you have your super drive set up? Uh, I've got. 250 in the front of it at uh-huh. 31 inches and uh how, how much is I've that got overhanging the, your blade mm, probably 
probably four inches. Four inches overhanging your blade. Yeah, it's it's enough. I mean, it sticks probably another two inches past my riser. Uh huh. It's it's enough. I can pick up the arrow with my finger if it falls off the rest and put uh-huh. it back on. Yeah, I gotcha. You're right. Two fifty grain points with uh, with. I'm using the with the gold tip pin bushings and uh, a biter hunter pin knocks, and I've got Q two I veins on them right now. But I'll probably switch that back to the AEs. Yeah, you like the AEs better. I well, I never even got to try them. I I didn't have any more AEs at the shop, and so I just went through Rudy's stash and found his last <laughs> few veins and stuck them all in my arrows. <laughs> cool. So I used up Rudy's whole last few veins on his bo- like that he had in his box. And so did you go two? He doesn't have anymore. <laughs> did you go two fifty because you had him laying around? No, I actually put gold tip uh, points in there, and I had two thirty in there, and I was smoking with the two thirty. Uh-huh. And then all of them pulled out on the target, and I lost them all. So I had to put something in there. Oh, boy. So I put two fifties. All right. Because you turned yeah, me that's on. Yeah, that's what I shot at the Bay Area Open. At the BA Open. Yeah. You, you turned me on to 270s in the points. Yeah. And I, I'm still shooting those out of my aluminum. Out of your aluminum. I haven't. I have yet to change. I've left them at 270s. That's good. That's a good combo. I think 150 was a good combo, too, man. But I just don't, for whatever reason, I, I'm guessing it has something to do with the blade. Like, I've, I've talked on the show about how I think a heavier point smooths out the chatter of a blade when you're shooting it. Yeah. Or smooths out well, whatever it, vibration happens on the blade. Yeah. You know what's interesting is, like, on my Invicta, right, uh-huh. I shoot the exact same draw like I'm shooting now. Mm-hmm. I, uh, exact same draw weight. Almost everything the same except for minus the bow mm-hmm. is different. And my Invicta absolutely loved the 250s. Wouldn't touch anything else but the 250s. Uh-huh. And the Stratos won't touch anything but the 275s. I can shoot the 250s out of that bow, and it shoots like garbage. Uh-huh. I put the 275s in, it shoots amazing. That's strange, So man. it's like, it, it's completely uh, different, I think, from bow to bow. That's very strange. Yeah, I mean, I shot my Invicta every year with 250s, and I couldn't get 275s to shoot out of it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my Prevail, I shot 275s out of it. My Matthews, I shot 150s. With this bow, I'm shooting yep. 275s. That's so strange. <clears throat> I just think it's different how it reacts out of the bow, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, it could be. It could definitely be. It could just be how the bow is tuned or how it, you know, how the bow is torqued, you know, in, in the hand, basically. Yeah. So let me ask, dude, how are you practicing these days? What kind of practice? Or what do you think is a... Let me just cut right to the chase. What do you think is a solid practice plan to get ready for an event? Say we got... Mm. Um, you know, we got Sacramento. Well, let's say that the Todd Hawkins Memorial shoot's coming up in three weeks. Yeah. What are you going to do to practice for that? Uh, you know, I'm... I'm I'm always and everybody kind of knows this from all the other podcasts. I'm pretty much a tinker, uh-huh. so I will probably be tinkering with that up until the very last minute for the <laughs> Sacramento shoot. Up until the day of, probably I'll probably t- be tinkering with it at the tournament, like I did last year. <laughs> <laughs> all right, but well, let me rephrase it then. What do you think? Ideally, what do you think would be a good practice setup for someone? Well, mainly mainly what. You know, aside, like what I was getting to with the tinkering uh-huh. is that you need to be comfortable with your setup. I agree. And so, like, 
I'm always trying to find that next level better. Uh huh. Um, it's kind of my problem is that I'm always trying to find the next level better. But when I feel like I've got it, just throw a bunch of rounds through it. You got to be able to know that bow inside out when you go to a tournament. Yeah. After you think um, you got it. For the it. most part. For most people, you know, like. Yeah. The thing is, I'm making such minor changes at that point. Like, right now, I'm making big changes because I'm not happy with uh, how it's performing in the slightest. And I feel like I have to change a lot to get to where I can just make those minor tweaks. Right. Um, like, at a tournament, I might be noticing, like, man, my blade is really, you know, like, any slight little twitch, I'm really getting a, a, a hard, you know, kick out of it or a miss or something like that. So, I'm... I'm changing the blade, you know, the blade angle. I'm changing maybe, you know, the rest height, like that small stuff. Like it's, it's more of an impact change than a bow hold change. Yeah. Like I'm not over there messing with the knock points. Uh huh. Or, you know, or messing and, and with your taking, uh, bar weight. Yeah, I'm not taking you know turns out of my limb bolts and changing the tiller and you know changing all that stuff. I'm just I'm doing minor things to try to minimize my errors. Uh huh. But I think for most people, you need to be comfortable like with that bow. You can't be second guessing your anchors. You can't be trying brand new stuff like three, four days before the the tournament. Like big, big changes. Right. You can do that, you know, two weeks before. Yeah. But yeah. when that last week rolls, you got to be you got to be pounding some arrows. You be and you got to be like, right? yeah, yeah, you got to be really comfortable. You know, it's interesting, dude, that you say that because. What I notice is when I'm in the tinkering phase, what I'm trying to do is make the bow idiot proof, right? Mm-hmm. And I do what you said kind of kind of rings true in my brain here because I'm like, yeah, once I find it, once I think or I think I've found it, I put as many arrows through and I see how many shots is this idiot proof for? Because it seems like I'll, I'll be on something and then I'll say, okay, this is idiot proof for a hundred arrows, and they'll be like, let's see if I can make it 150 arrows, and then I'll tinker a little more is this you know what i mean if that makes sense and then i I feel like once i get it to idiot proof 99 percent of the time then i'll just start throwing arrows through it yeah i mean my invicta pretty much for like three years since i owned it like like my stabilizers at any given point would have been the same weight Uh you know like that's just the way it it seemed to want to be yeah my rest outside was always right in the same as far as left and right goes. Yeah. Um, like my knock point was always seemed to be in the same spot, but what I changed was maybe my launcher angle or, you know, something, something a lot smaller, Uh you know, maybe, maybe my arrows a little bit, you know, something like that where it's just changing. uh, How are you running your launcher angle now? Very low. Very very, shallow, like flat. Yeah, very shallow. I don't, I don't indoor. I don't run my launcher angle very steep at all. Really? No, I just find it pretty uh, unforgiving. Like it just seems to make all of my mistakes Mm -hmm. way more um, exaggerated. Right, right. I think I tried it. Yeah, I think it's a fine dance. I think point weight, blade angle are like two things that are kind of, you know, you change one, you affect the other. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? If that makes sense at all, I just kind of lower. You know, like if I if I'm shooting right, and I and I tend to find these like half shaft, um, like tens, and I know they're good shots, but they're catching half shaft tens for whatever reason. I will tend to lower my launcher, uh, my launcher angle, first thing, 
and then kind of raise my rest back up to make the slack up uh-huh. and see if that, and then I shoot a few more arrows and see if that gets rid of those misses. And uh-huh. a lot of times it does, but if it doesn't, I'll put it back and I'll try to figure out what else is causing that. Mm-hmm. I know you like, to you run, know, and, you and Paige both run the uh, knock high, uh, kind of like a knock high paper tear. Yeah. With your, uh, with your indoor shit. Mine's been a little more exaggerated at times than Paige usually likes to do. But yeah, I do run knock high. Yeah. Is that just for vein clearance? Gillingham says you guys do that for vein clearance. Yes, that's part of it. And other times I, you know, I, I would much rather if any, you know, if I was going to try anything, I'd always want to make sure like, like I'm not going to just keep raising my rest. If I know I'm going to tear knock low. Uh huh. But I don't ever have a problem dropping my rest way down and just trying to see how it shoots. Right. Because I would much rather be like four inches knock high than a half inch knock low. Uh-huh. And I've shot my bow really good four inches knock high. I remember uh, remember when we were done shooting Allen shoot last year and I was kicking everybody's butt Yeah. in practice and I had like a four inch knock high tear. Yeah, that was, that was weird. Like it, it was... It was that idiot proof. Like it shot so freaking good, I couldn't, I couldn't outshoot that bow at all. Like it was <laughs> unbelievable. But you know, I changed some stuff and I got it shooting better with a better, you know, good with a better tear. But it was kind of interesting to for me. You know, that bow was like the epitome of terribly tuned, but would shoot amazing. Right, 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 right. You know, I could have a three and a half inch left tear and shoot eight down and running. And one down in Vegas. I could shoot a 29x game and have a four and a half inch high tear. Right. Yeah, that was a, you know, you know, that was a, a terribly tuned, amazing shooting bow. It was just, uh, it's <laughs> just, I mean, it, it's kind of showing, you know, where where you can get away with things and where you can't. In in a what do you setup. attribute that to? to? You, you you attribute that to the geomet- limb geometry or riser geometry or what? to being able to shoot good. I shoot a bow that tunes like fucking garbage. Uh, I just leave it to being able to be consistent. You know, That's, even if your bow tears yeah, terribly, like, as long as it does it the same every single time, it should hit the middle. You're saying it was you. Well, yeah. I mean, I've just, uh, I, and again, I spend a lot of other time making idiot proof, like torque tuning and other stuff. So there's yeah. a lot of other factors where it might be coming out of the, the bow sideways, but it, I'm going to have less of an effect on it. Like that's just the way it's going to be. Yeah, I'm finding. But I won't. I won't affect it as much myself because I've gone through the other steps to make sure I don't add any extra to it. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. I am finding torque tuning to be one of like the biggest, uh, kind of like one of the biggest tools in my toolbox right now. Yeah, it's I, amazing. I I never used to do it either. Really. No, back in, we you know, before I didn't really even know about it. Now I look at it and go, you stupid idiot. Why didn't you do it <laughs> it's fucking a amazing. long time ago? <laughs> um, I probably didn't start doing torque tuning until really like last year. Really? Mm-hmm. I'll be damned. Well, you know, they, that leads me to believe that group tuning is like the king as far as tuning goes. Especially for indoor, yeah. you know? Yeah, I think... Uh, I think that group tuning will be your probably your big your biggest friend in 
and uh, finding something that's forgiving. Well, dude, break down for a minute because, you know, this is a question I always wanted to ask Paige, but she'll never come on this show. Uh, so <laughs> you're the closest thing I have to Paige here. Like, well, group tuning would just be would you just be bumping your rest up, down, left, and right, and then shooting it and, yeah. and seeing? Yeah, uh, you just you just kind of make those, like like kind of what I was telling you about, like even the, like basically exactly what I was saying with the X's, you know, like finding those half shaft tens, uh-huh. and I just move my rest and then figure out, like, did that make it better? Like, is it more forgiving, yes or no? Uh-huh. No? Okay, go back to square one, try something different. Right. And you just try to find... You move your rest until you find the most forgiving position. Right, taking a sign where you, your groups too. come tired, they're tighter. Yeah, yeah. Well, that makes sense. I think that'll be. I think I. I intend to get on that hardcore when uh, you know I start setting up the Pierce tours for shooting some distance. Yeah, I think, and, and like I said, I think there's going to be depending on the rest, uh-huh. that the style rest you're shooting, a drop away versus a. Um, you know, a lizard tongue launcher, there's going to be things that you can do that you can get away with more uh-huh. on a drop away than you can a lizard tongue. Right. But either way, I think it's a powerful tool, you know, to be able to find that right forgiveness on the bow. And it's, it, it's time consuming, but it's relatively easy to do. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I had, I had mentioned this, like, um, someone had, had asked me about how often you spend tinkering versus practicing and i had said that you know i think austin tinkers a lot but he's taking so many shots in the process of tinkering that when it comes time to practice he's already put in thousands and thousands of shots yeah and i mean probably in one night usually i've been shooting four to five games a night holy smokes dude so four, like i shoot i shoot quite a few arrows yeah, four games is my yeah. limit, dude. That's where I'm starting to get hurt. Yeah, sometimes I'll stay. I'll, I get off work about six, and I'll probably shoot till potentially ten on some nights. God damn. You know, like my girlfriend was living in Reading at the time. Now she's slowly moving stuff down here, so I'm sure that'll change, and I'll probably be doing more in the morning uh-huh. than the evening, just so I can spend time with her. Uh huh. But that makes sense. Um, when I was living my bachelor life at home, like there was no reason for me to go watch TV. So I would just, you know, have something easy to make for dinner at home, knowing I can make it at 10 o'clock, and I just stay at the shop and shoot, Yeah, you know. And I'd just be, it's kind of my nice time where I'm by myself, and, you know, like, honestly, that's how I, you know, that's all I used to do when I was living at home. I mean, I was the only, you know, besides Aaron Cahoon, I was pretty much the only target shooter in Chico. Uh-huh. Uh, and my dad, but my dad, you know, he doesn't do it near as much as he used to. Uh-huh. Um, but Aaron and I, Aaron Cahoon and I didn't really practice together all that much. We did a little bit, you know, when I was first kind of coming up, but I just practiced in my backyard, just by myself, my, my, uh, my Zen time with my bow and my wrenches and yeah, press and just, I tinkered until I got it right and shot a lot of arrows. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm with you, man. You know, I'd shoot around. I'd shoot around based on how that round went. I might make a change. I might shoot another round. And if that round is the same, then I'll just keep rolling with it. But if I'm like, oh, I can make it better by doing this, or I can make it better by doing that, I'll make little changes. Then I'll shoot another game and see if it gets better. Right. Right. See how long it can make it idiot-proof for. Yeah, um, I'll notice, like, man, that round, I shot a 300, but it kept kicking low on me. How can I get rid of that low? Yeah. 
you know, that, that little tick in my hold. How can I do that? Oh, I'm going to add weights on the back. Okay, that made it better. Or, man, now the bow's heavier and I just hold way worse. Isn't that trippy, dude? It's almost like, oh, man. I, I Sometimes I'm wondering, like, how much time do you, the top-level pros put into finding this shit? Like, finding that setup that works for them, you know? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think, I think eventually they'll all accumulate a lot of hours but you know um i think it'll depend on also how how new they are into a change like i bet you tate right now because he's been shooting hoyts for so long like he knows a lot of how they like to be shot he knows how to shoot a hoyt he knows the ins and outs the the likes and dislikes and every bow that comes out is going to have slightly different but he always has a starting point Uh uh-huh you know, just like me, when I built my Stratos, I went straight and built it just like the Invicta. Uh-huh. Um, and then now I've worked and found a lot of different changes, and you can kind of see the changes they've made. Like Tate's running his bar off the back of his bow, but yeah. on his Invicta, he ran it off the front of his bow. Uh-huh. So he's obviously played with different things to get the hold the way he wants to and, and react the way he wants to. Right. Um, I, think, I think it definitely comes... Um, it comes down and they spend a lot of hours, um, but maybe not as much as somebody who doesn't understand yeah, what they're the doing. things they need to make changes for to get. Yeah, like they're going to spend, you know, they're going to spend six hours trying to figure out the one thing that Tate can figure out in 15 minutes because he knows what to do. Yeah. Like he knows the four state, the four steps to, to change this, to, to make a hold move where, Somebody doesn't necessarily fully understand that they're going to spend way more time doing it. Right. So, I mean, that's that's kind of where I I think that no, that, that lies. Where that makes sense. He knows exactly what he's attacking at any given moment. Yeah. He's not just going to spin his wheels. They've also put in the time a long time ago. Yeah. You know, to learn all of this, yeah. especially the, the the pros that are very, uh, you know, savvy and t- and you know are into tinkering like me and. I think it also comes like with Tate, Tate and I, and, uh, you know, I'm not comparing myself to Tate as a shooter, but we both have worked in a bow shop and are constantly working on others bows. So we kind of understand just how bows yeah, work, just work in, in general. general. Yeah. So it gives us a pretty good starting line on what we should touch to try to make things do what we want. No, I can dig it. I can dig it. That makes sense. I, I noticed now, as someone who shot for like six years now, I tinker way less than I used to. You know, because it's like yeah. I kind of know what I need to do now. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, you put in the you put in the time uh, a long time ago. Yeah, and figure out you know what things do what. So you're instead of you going on archery talk and reading you know yeah, four that, hours worth of forms nuts to and try bolts. to figure out what does what you already have done it yeah, yeah nuts that, and bolts nuts and bolts bullshit yeah you're not gonna go and and do this nuts and bolts theory for you know 10 hours yeah like you already know it's bs yeah yeah you know so you you uh you kind of eliminate that and that saves you a lot of time. <laughs> yeah, Lord knows it. Seneca told me that it took him 10 years. <laughs> yeah. Our buddy Seneca. <laughs> I believe it. I believe it. Yeah, man. Well, cool, Austin. We're at, uh, we're at about an hour and a half now. How you feeling? There we go. I'm feeling good. Cool, man. 
Well, maybe we can get together and do some uh, tuning episode after Fresno. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see how Fresno goes. If I shoot really bad, maybe doesn't nobody wants to listen to my tuning advice. I'm sure you're going to shoot fine. Yeah, I think I'll shoot good. It's, it's different with that weight, definitely. I'm fighting it. Uh, I'm fighting how my bow... It holds really good, uh-huh. but with how the bow is holding with that much front weight compared to what I'm used to, it's uh-huh. very uh, strenuous. Like, it's it's hard to shoot it well for a whole game. Uh-huh, you gotta fight it. Yeah, point. and it's different, so it's not, like, second nature. Like, it takes me a while to... Like, today, I struggled in the first half of the game. Uh-huh. And, and really didn't shoot it well, and then by the second half, I dropped one X. Uh-huh. Damn. You know, so... It's it's just like hit or miss. It's just it's different than I've ever had my bow set up. So it's making it that much harder for me to yeah. pick it up really fast. Well, it is a new bow, and you kind of started. You know, you kind of jumped in with it later into the the season the way you wanted it. You know? Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's gonna take it'll some, take some time. But it's gonna take some arrows. I'm happy. I I have a uh, I have hope. Cool, man. Yeah. Well, I hope, uh, you know, I hope it works out for you. And if not, maybe I get you shooting an elite bow. Maybe, <laughs> maybe. Shit, don't lie, <laughs> don't lie. Hmm. <laughs> You'll shoot a bow tank before you shoot an elite. Yeah, there's probably a good chance that if I was, you know, here in the next year, if I was ever going to switch, it'd probably be doing an elite because the other bow company, you know, might not have the bow that I like available. So. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah. My yeah. goal is going to be to convert everyone at West Coast to elite bows. Unless that cam is stolen. If it turns out that cam is stolen, I'm going to be bummed. You're going to be back on the Matthews. No, no. I'll just shoot this bow and say it. I'll just peel the labels off or something. Peel the label, spray paint it. Yeah. Stolen cam or not, this thing fucking rocks. So. <laughs> you should just put a bunch of like random stickers on it. Yeah. Yeah, I'll put a uh, like like Alan Alan put uh, black duct tape over Rudy's limbs uh-huh. or black masking tape and wrote Sagittarius across the limbs. No, he wrote Sargento. <laughs> oh, Sargento! I thought it was Sagittarius. It should have been Sagittarius. <laughs> He's doing it because uh, that's what he thought that bow was called, and, and I was like, "Dude, Sargento is like a brand of cheese." Sargento. It's a popular brand. Yeah, of you, cheese. you could you could do something like that. <laughs> right, right over the top of it. Come up with your own name. <laughs> yeah, <coughs> yeah, man. And then, and then you could just steal the whole bow instead of just the cams. <laughs> I have an idea to s- steal the San Lita bow. I have a friend that works at. He's uh, a young man who uh, shoots at the spot in Fresno, and he catted up a ripoff of the San Lita. Uh, San Lita bow so that we can steal we can make a Chinese we can make an American knockoff of a Chinese knockoff. Yeah, you really they really can't sue you if you make a knockoff of a knockoff, right? No, no, no. No, then you're kinda of going against what they believe in, right? I was trying to get George Technichoff to help crowdfund this for me. Yeah. Well <laughs> just take what they're what what they're making and make it better. <laughs> yeah. Make an American version. Oh yeah. <laughs> But, That'd be awesome. Yeah, it'll be cool. An archery unfiltered bow would be sick. Oh yeah, I'm making an archery unfiltered uh, elite, but not but different brand. <laughs> no, it's gonna be it's gotta be the Chinese knockoff version, but maybe I will steal that guy's cam with it. 
Yeah. The camera and the riser with the yeah. the little limb uh, the limb shim deal. Oh man. It'd be perfect. That poor fucking dude. Oh yeah. But anyway, dude. I'll let you go. It's getting late. Yeah. Well thanks for having me on the show, man. I really appreciate it. Thanks for coming on, buddy. And uh yeah. No, yeah. that was good it was good uh It's always a it was pleasure. A good podcast. It's always a pleasure. Yeah, we'll get into. Oh, I love coming on here. We'll get into some tuning shit next time. All right, all right, Playboy. I'll see you in Fresno. All right, sounds good. We'll see you on Sunday. All right, buddy. All right, we'll talk to you later. Later, Austin. Bye.